Welcome to Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Here's the guy who asks all the right questions. Your host, Ralph DeLugas. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting week. You are on the Loving Liberty Network. I am your humble, truth-seeking host, Ralph DeLugas, and this is Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Um, I have probably got about five shows worth of stuff I'd like to plow through. Um, I want to touch really briefly on light. I think it's really interesting. A bunch of new articles came out on light, and I think it is such a such a, a good little visual on just how corrupt this, the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of corruption or the Kabbalah, whatever you want to call them, um, the Western science governments, controlled science agencies like the CIA's feature star players, the National Science Foundation, National Institute of Science and Technologies, the quantum physics, quantum mystic magicianists. It's just crazy what they try to teach us light is. I think it's just so interesting and what light truly is. Um, but before we get on to that, I want to talk briefly about a few articles. Um, my good friend Brian Hyde sent me this article last night, which I think I think is kind of an interesting I've I've seen a lot of these sorts of articles. Um, this one is from where's this from? Brian Sky News. I think this is a British newspaper. Satellites and spacecraft malfunction as Earth's magnetic field mysteriously weakens. Um, this isn't mysteriously. They've been watching this plow roll on for since the early 1940s and probably long before that. But we know in earnest, the first thing the CIA dialed in on was this. Uh, they sent expeditions to the North and South Pole. This article refers to the Swarm Satellite Network, which its biggest uh, the biggest job that that network uh, of satellites does is monitors the pole reversal. I just want to quote a little bit from it. Um, Europeans, uh, uh, this anomaly is causing technical difficulties for satellites and Earth. I'm going to kind of just briefly summarize this. They talk about the South Atlantic anomaly, which is where this in this area is also the dreaded uh, what's that triangle, Brian? Um, the Devil's Triangle is that what that thing's called? Um, that's an electromagnetic anomaly, and there's some really – someday we'll have to do a show on that. There are actually some amazing things that can happen in that area, and it's all electromagnetic phenomenon, um, the same sort of technology that drives an, uh, an anti-gravity drive for DARPA and, and the, the creepy cabal. But um, what, what's going to happen is the two poles are racing together. This isn't – this article goes on to say, one speculation is that the weakening field is a sign that the Earth is heading for pole reversal in which the North and South Poles could flip. This is a fact. This is happening. And not only is it happening, it is speeding up. This is a sign that we should be watching over our head. Um, this article also says this. The flip doesn't happen immediately, but instead would occur over the course of, of uh, several centuries during which there would be multiple north and south magnetic poles all around the globe. You know, this it's like the guy that wrote this article or girl, I don't know who wrote it, but um, went into a time machine and pulled data from 30 years ago and called and called it news. Um, they know this has been speeding up exponentially in 2011. 
NASA from 2011 back, NASA reported this daily, how far they've moved, where they're at. Um, in 2011, I believe it was during one of these shutdowns, they all of a sudden no longer had the manpower and the resources to report to me and you what's going on over our head. And since that day, they have stopped reporting it. They uh, committed to reporting it every couple of years. And every single one of these, they've had to report early because it's speeding up and speeding up and speeding up. It used to be um, we're losing 5% of our shield per decade. Um, anybody that watches this closely can say it's definitely gotten closer to 10% per decade. So hundreds of years, absolutely not. Um, this is going to happen before 2050, 2054, somewhere in there, um, depending on how fast. If you just look at the curve, how much it's speeding up, this is a very big deal. This article also says such events have occurred other times in the planet's history, says the ESA, noting uh, that we're overdue at the average rate of which these reversals take place every 2,500 years. Eh, that's a fat lie. Every 12,000 years, and that's a fact. We could prove that all day long, and we've talked about that a lot, but we won't get into that here. But initially, you know, at least people are starting to talk about it, and I think that's good. We can continue to track this. This is a big deal. This is this is the real climate change that's going to be happening, and there is nothing we're going to do about it other than be prepared. Um, a couple other articles. Thanks, Brian, for sending that one. I thought that was a good example. I want to talk. Well, let's see. Where do we start with this? You know, this is cool. We ought to at least briefly talk about this. Geometry-guided construction of earliest known temple built 6,000 years before Stonehenge. And this is tied to another article um, where uh, the uh, some of the ancient structures in Italy, in Greece, uh, Roman structures, and, the, and civilizations there before Rome, they all had helical, double helix DNA, perfect uh, spirals. The geometry is absolutely perfect. Staircases in where the, uh, where the protein uh, crossbeams are in DNA. How do these people know that? We discovered DNA in 1954. So to, to, to say that these guys, it's just another example of how science is just, it's just crap. Um, and... If we don't look for ourselves, then we're going to be out of luck. Modern sea level, another article. Modern sea level rise linked to human activities, Rutgers Research affirms. Surprisingly glacial and nearly ice-free periods in the last 66 million years. That's, that's your first big red herring. Anytime they start talking about what happened millions and billions of years ago and billions of light years, we're going to talk about that in a minute. What is a light year anyway? Um, you know what follows is going to be made up nonsense. But I thought this was interesting. Reading in this article, surprisingly, the Earth had had nearly ice-free conditions with carbon dioxide levels uh, not no higher than what they are today. And they had glacial periods in times previously believed to be ice-free over the last 66 million years, also with similar carbon levels, according to a paper published in the Journal of Science Advances. So if carbon levels... 66 million years ago were the same as today, which I would assert they have no idea about, nor is that they have an accurate way of dating any of this. But assuming they did, if the carbon levels were the same and we were covered with ice at some times and other times had no ice, how is it that today this little bit of carbon that your your car is putting out or that your the cow, this 
the cow in the fields flatula is putting out, how is that heating the earth today? Like the title of this article says, well, the reason is these guys need to get paid. And if they don't have the title be a nonsensical lie like that, they're not going to get paid. It kind of all goes back to the same thing. Anyway, a couple more articles. Let's talk about Barnard Star. I found this article. This is going way back to 1998. But I like watching, as many of you have probably picked up on, I like watching the signs. I am a sign watcher. That is one of the things that I like to do. Um, and we can see this 12,000-year cycle uh, rolling on. And we know that Proxima Centauri, uh, Alpha Centauri, uh, they both micronova or super flared, whatever term you want to use, uh, about four years ago. Well, if you look out ahead of those, uh, 5.9 light years ahead of us, or uh, 1.82 parsecs, for those of you that like that distance, um, we have Barnard Star. Uh, Barnard Star, the second nearest uh, star system to the sun, spewed a large series of super flares that increased its brightness, say astronomers in the United States. The discovery is an incredible surprise. This star is sedate, and it is an old red dwarf incapable of uh, nova or micronova. So what happened? It hit the energy sheet. It hit the energy sheet that we are going into. Um, kind of an interesting little article. What else we got here? Ah, has anybody heard about what our good friend Elon Musk, you know, every now and then Elon Musk, I think, might have a little bit of a of good side in him and maybe maybe wavers on the fence and could fall to the light side. And then I read articles of this Elon Musk's SpaceX public beta of Internet from Space Service coming by fall. This is a network of satellites called Spacelink. And if you think your brain hates 5G, wait till you get to bathe yourself in 24G. This is a massive uh, satellite network that's going to bathe and fry all of our brains from outer space, pumping out high-energy millimeter microwaves that are, what, almost five times more powerful than the 5G that we're already suffering under now. Um, it's disgusting, and it's kind of ironic. I was thinking about this today. What would be our only protection from such a satellite network it'll make that tinfoil hat look pretty good to be real honest with you i don't know what else would protect your brain from uh space link Starlink. it's it's disgusting anyway we're gonna get into uh we're gonna talk a little bit about general washington and uh some a uh, little bit of history after this short break and we will see you then Everybody, welcome back. Actually, I lied. There's two more articles I think it's important that we cover. Um, I think it's really interesting. This is just kind of a side note, and uh, many of you probably have probably picked up on the fact I am a believer. I am a Christian, and it is a core principle of mine uh, uh, that, that is kind of can't be moved. So I kind of see things through that lens, and I am struck. I won't call them all up. But I, like House Bill, what is that, Brian? House Bill 6666, that trace. Oh, I have it here somewhere. That creepy 
uh, trace. Uh, oh, you guys. Yeah, the contact tracing or the. Um, why would they name that bill 666? Why is the patent for Bill Gates 606060? I've kind of put together, and I, I have to uh, say I got this from Suspect Sky. They, they had this list out. I'm looking at probably 30 or 40 articles. Here's just a couple of them. 66.6 um, uh, people trust their healthcare provider on virus data pull fines. Um, one after another. Here's another one. Oh, come on. I can't read this. 66.6% of Rhode Island coronavirus deaths are from nursing homes. One after another after another. Like, are they just sitting around? About 66.6% of New York coronavirus cases say they've got COVID-19 following lockdown rules. One after another. I mean, I've got one after another after another. Why is it? I, I've said it before. I really am starting to increasingly believe that 2020 is our year to see or not. I think everything is going to be, I mean, obviously things are a lot more out in the open. Um, clearly, they're, they're trying to seize your liberty, uh, seize control of your life. You look at this, these recommendations of, of kids going back to school. Man, if you were ever kind of on the fence about whether you should pull your kids out of government schools. I know we have a lot of good people in government schools. I know a lot of good teachers. You probably do too. But the people running this system, all the governments of this world aren't just corrupt. That would be bad enough. And it's not just that they've institutionalized corruption, which they have. And of course, that would be bad enough. But the leaders of our world through gold and silver and armies and navies and and corrupt tyrants that destroy they are evil and they have an evil liberty crushing agenda the war this is war is anybody surprised to hear that the war rolls on here on earth and i think 2020 is the year to pick a side i think fence sitting is over um, i think we need to look around us 40 articles on this coronavirus all have 66.6 in it. What are the odds of that? It's crazy. All these, why would they name a house bill 6666, right? Like, have none of them, did they all sleep through their Sunday school class and they, they just happen, or this just happens to be the 6,666 bill they did this? It's just crazy. Anyway, um, another, ah, dropped my iPad. Sorry about that, you guys. Um, <laughs> um, there's a study from uh, South Korea that you probably won't see anywhere else. Coronavirus, scientists conclude uh, that people cannot be infected twice. This was a huge case study. Um, apparently, you can't be infected twice. And uh, that's not something the CDC is probably going to share. A total of 2,772 patients were believed to have fallen uh, for a second time but, uh, in China and Japan. I won't read this whole article, and I don't have my glasses on anyway, but um, interesting that you can't be infected twice. I honestly, increasingly, I can't pay any attention to this coronavirus, and not with a shotgun to my head would I take Bill Gates' creepy, creepy uh, coronavirus vaccine. And man, a big big applause. You, you, did you hear, Brian, about that Italian parliament member that, that demanded that Bill Gates be uh, arrested for cr vaccination crimes against... That was amazing. Good for him. Or was it a woman? I can't actually. I, I didn't listen to it because it was in Italian. I just had to. Uh, Alex Newman had an article on it. And this person went right down the line. 500,000 kids in India are paralyzed because of uh, the polio vaccine. Um, 
millions and millions of women in Kenya and throughout Africa have been deliberately sterilized through these vaccinations. They put adjuncts in uh, – there's adjuncts in every uh, vaccine, but they put HCG in there. So the, the body – when fed this, um, and, and you should never, I don't believe in any vaccines, to be honest with you. It bypasses our bio, our bio, um, our bio, not biosphere, but our, um, the, our skin, our, all of our defense systems, uh, your throat, your body is a machine that God designed to fight this stuff off. When you inject any of this stuff right into your veins, you're bypassing the top three, your skin, your biosphere, and those amazing tonsils, your cilia, all that. So anyway, when they put the HCG into these women, this is according to this Italian uh, parliament member, uh, the body recognizes HCG ever after as an invader and the immune system attacks it, which really makes me suspicious of all these autoimmune diseases that are everywhere now that were unheard of 100 years ago, right? Well, anyway, this 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 uh, parliament member is calling for his imprisonment for crimes against humanity. Three cheers for for that person. Obviously, that'll never happen. But uh, last thing article I want to talk about: coronavirus researcher in Pittsburgh killed in apparent murder suicide was close to making very significant findings. This was a, a statistics professor that was uh, researching COVID nineteen death forecasts uh, and citing restrictions. It was a, a big paper to be published, a peer reviewed paper on. That was going to shatter, I guess, the World Health Organization's model and so forth. Suddenly, right before he's going to release this paper that was uh, going to expose all this, suddenly he decided he's suicidal um, and he killed himself. Isn't that weird? So anybody that thinks this is going to be letting up, that they're kind of giving up on this narrative and things going back to normal, when they're murdering people that are going to expose them, yeah, this isn't going back to normal. Normal is not going to be normal ever again. Um, Mississippi Church fighting coronavirus restrictions is burned to the ground. Uh, Bet you stay home now, you hypocrites, was written in the parking lot at a church that had sued the city over its public health orders. Wow, right? Okay, anyway, let's go on to something different. I want to talk a little bit about... uh, I love science, but I, I really love also history. Um, and I want to talk just briefly about Columbus, the, the Pilgrims, a little bit about uh, uh, George Washington and our founding fathers. In kind of a, a different light, I want to talk about the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant and covenant making in general and the power of covenant. And I have a reason for this. We're going to need power, my friends. Um and uh, the power of uh, the CDC or the power of being angry and taking things upon yourself, I don't think these will do us any good and will actually do us harm. But a covenant, a God-fearing, commandment-keeping, covenant-keeping uh, people covenanting with God are unstoppable. And that's kind of the point of this. So en- endure with me, if you will, just a brief little summary Um I, read, I found a couple articles this past week on Columbus, and I, I was really quite shocked. Um, I read a little bit in his book called Book of Prophecies. This was written by Columbus himself. Um, kind of hard to get a copy. I just found excerpts online. But um, in the introduction, he says, 
quote, the voyage was not accomplished through math or maps. It was simply the beginning of what Isaiah has prophesied. And this is the what and why of why I'm writing this book. So you, the reader, may rejoice in this land of the coming new Jerusalem. I thought that was pretty interesting language from from uh, our, our brother uh, Columbus, who I thought was trying to find gold, right? Which in a way was true. He wanted gold to finance Spain retaking uh, old Jerusalem because he was a big, he quotes in Isaiah, um, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 65, Isaiah 2, 2 through 3, mountain of the house of the Lord. He knew he was finding the new Israel, the new Jerusalem, and the land upon which God was going to build his long prophesied temple. How interesting is that, right? I've never heard. For some reason, I missed that part of my Columbus teachings in grade school. But we'll go into this a little bit more after this short break. We'll talk to you then. Welcome back, everybody. You are on the Loving Liberty Network. Uh, I am Ralph DeLugas, your host. We're talking a little bit about some of the uh, discoverers of America. Um, in particular, we just talked about Columbus and how he knew he was discovering the land upon which would be built the long prophesied temple that Isaiah and others spoke about. And this is in his book. How this is not taught, I don't understand. This is, he wasn't trying to prove the world's not flat. That's ridiculous. They knew it wasn't flat. They just didn't have a reason to come over here. I think they even knew this land was here. There was just no real reason to come here. But he came here because he believed and he was moved upon. I've heard a lot of uh, Orson Hyde, those that recognize that name, said the angel Moroni was with uh, Columbus. There are miracles. You know, and there's another point I'd like to make. Those covenant keepers that are uh, that keep their covenants with God, miracles are always follow them. And that, that's kind of another point I want to point out here. The miracles that followed Columbus are not few. Um, I don't want to get a ton into that because I want to talk more about the pilgrims and uh, Washington. Um, the early settlers, many of you know the story of uh, the Mayflower coming here. Um, Howland, oh gosh, you know the story of Howland, Brian? Have you ever heard the story of uh, Jeffrey Howland? He's the guy that came over here. Um, he was 20 years old at the time, never been on a boat before. This is on the Mayflower. He was, I believe, a servant. And there was a massive gale out, horrible storm. He went up top because he'd never seen a storm like this, and he wanted to check it out like any curious kind of somewhat knuckleheaded young person, right? Well, he, he walks up to the side, uh, doesn't tie himself off, and is washed overboard. Now, on any ship at sea, you'd be a dead man, right? On the Mayflower, which, by the way, was kind of an old rickety piece of crap that was scrapped a couple years after this voyage. It was not like some flagship great boat. These guys got what they could afford, which was kind of a rickety tub, to be honest. Um, he was washed overboard, and he knew he was a dead man. And there were several witnesses, and this was also in the— uh, Journal of uh, William Bradford. Uh, many of you will recognize that name. He was the head of the expedition and the head of uh, their, you know, of, of the settlement they started. So anyway, this kid's washed over. He's several fathoms into the ocean knowing he's dead. And he feels uh, 
warmth enter his body and something brushed by his hand. And he felt impressed to grab it. Well, what does he have in his hand? He's got a rope in his hand. He thought, the angels of heaven have thrown me a rope. He grabs onto this rope. Somebody uh, had not battened down one of the lines, and this line was dragging behind the boat several hundred feet, and it just happened to drag through his hand, and he pulled himself up to safety. Some of you might be interested to learn this man. Uh, some of his descendants would include uh, a name you might recognize, Lucy Max Smith. Um, some other notables. So apparently this guy uh, was supposed to live, right? <laughs> anyway, um, the settlers got here. Uh, you know the story. Half of them froze to death the first winter. They got here late. They had no food. The miracles of uh, Corn, Corn Hill where they came ashore and they saw a mound and they thought they were impressed to dig there. And there was a mountain, there was a whole bunch of corn there that saved their lives. And, that, you know, at least for a short time, still starving to death, still in great trouble. Who walks into their camp? But an Indian, of course, they're thinking, oh, no, we're going to, we're dead meat, right? There had been a lot of bad things, enslavement and stuff. The Spaniards had kind of done their thing. You guys know the stories there. And so they thought they were toast. Well, what happens when this Indian walks into camp? He starts speaking English. How many English-speaking Indians were there in America at that time, do you think? I dare say probably not a heck of a lot more than one. This guy happened to have been kidnapped by the uh, Spaniards in uh, 1500s. Some of the guys that came after Columbus that set up settlements. There was a lot of slave trading and all that atrocity. He was kidnapped, taken as a slave back to Europe, escaped, somehow made his way back here, and happened to be sitting in the, in the camp of the Mayflower settlers that are starving to death. And they couldn't grow a dang thing because nothing they were doing worked here. Well, he taught them how to fish, how to hunt, how to grow corn here, basically saved the whole settlement. Is this a coincidence? Well, I don't know. You could call it a coincidence, I guess, if you want to. I do not believe that. And interestingly enough, these settlers uh, also prophesied that the new Jerusalem would be built in the metal, middle of this new land. They actually called it, uh, in uh, Bradford's diaries, he called it, in the heartland of this new Israel. They, they all called this the new Israel, upon which should be built the new Jerusalem. Kind of interesting language. Some of you might recognize that. Some of you may not. It's throughout Old Testament prophecy. If we study our Old Testament and know what it says, which is another thing we probably don't do enough of, but these guys all knew that. And they had made a covenant. When they watched the Mayflower sail away after half of them had already died, they had one last chance to leave with the Mayflower, but these people had, had sworn a covenant. Each and every one of them had covenanted to come here and do whatever it took to settle this new land and start the new Israel, right? Um, miracles follow covenant-keeping people. Um, let's fast forward just a little bit. I want to talk briefly about General Washington, and, and I don't want to – this is just going to be just a light dusting of General Washington because – you guys know the mysteries of, or the mysteries, the the miracles that happened throughout the Revolutionary War, the uh, Dorchester Heights in, in Boston, the four miracles there, the miracles of escaping Long Island, um, when he should have, by all rights, been surrendering. He led the charge against the Haitians in in Trenton and in, uh, uh, Princeton, uh, taking the the. Basically, the Navy SEALs or the, the Green Beret of that day, um, the Haitians, 
and uh, then additionally taking Princeton after that, which is a couple thousand men. Um, miracle after miracle in Valley Ford. Um, this is something that maybe some of you hadn't heard. They were uh, starving and freezing to death, as we all know, um, and would have probably starved to death in mass, except for in late December, um, there was a short warm period, which allegedly the, the history books say it tricked these shad fish into thinking it was spring early. I don't believe that. I think fish are smarter than that. But they came up the river in mass, so many, in fact, that the men were able to wade out in knee-deep water and fill up uh, their bags and their arms and their barrels and everything. They solid it. They, they basically filled up their coffers with fish, and it's, it literally saved their lives. Um, this is what happens when we make covenants with God and we keep the covenants and we do our best. To just live. These guys, it's really interesting. We've talked before about um, about the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant and all of the miracles that have happened throughout history. Most of you are probably a little bit familiar, at least, about uh, Bulletproof Washington. He had a bounty on his head, basically a king's ransom. And every Brit was gunning for him because the guy that bags Washington is going to be rich beyond his wildest dreams, right? So I think Washington, knowing this, he led so many charges on his white horse with his general blue jacket on. Everybody knew that was Washington, and everybody was shooting at him. How is it that he would have the courage to do this? In my opinion, and this is my opinion, this is an assurance that came to Washington because he had a covenant relationship with God. This is, again, I think an example, and this is my opinion, of an emperor vassal covenant relationship, like Hezekiah in the Old Testament, like David, um, like many examples that we have. I think Helaman, uh, his 2,000 warriors, the language is interesting. They called him father. He called them his sons. They kept his commandments with exactness, and not one of them fell by the sword. These were 15-year-olds taking on the baddest, 10,000 of the baddest warriors on earth at that time, right? Um, so Washington... Uh, drawing the fire of the British again and again and again, leading charges, knew he couldn't be taken because he was on the Lord's errand. We can gain this same sort of confidence. Um, and, it, and we don't have to be Mother Teresa. I think sometimes uh, Old Scratch wins a lot of battles and a lot of hearts when we, you know, by telling us, oh, you're not good enough, you're, you're never good. Certainly, I'm not George Washington, and I dare say probably not, neither are most of you. But we can do our best, right? We can keep those Ten Commandments. Can't we at least do that? Keep all ten of those uh, with exactness. Make a promise to God that you will do so and see what kind of miracles he will pour out into your life. I promise you they come. And my friends, we need miracles. Uh, we are staring at the uh, Tower of Molech, shaking uh, shaking our fists at the gates of uh, Mordor, and uh, we're going to need some help. And that help can only come from one place. Um, we are running up against the break. Uh, is this our second segment or third, Brian? Oh, dang it. We might not be able to talk too much about light. We're going to talk briefly about light and a little bit of physics. We'll talk, step back into the current and a little bit about energy and wrap it up with uh, uh, some, some more miracles after the break. Um Yep, we're not going to have time to do that. We'll talk to you in a few, a few short minutes. Bye-bye.
Okay, everybody, welcome back uh, to our fourth and final segment. Um, interesting to, to, to note, I was reading uh, some of the British journals uh, from the uh, Revolutionary War, and after, after a time, they realized, especially the, the leaders like Howe and Cornwallis, they understood that by the end, they were literally fighting against God. They would have him on the run, you know, the, the, the Washington's forces and other, other uh, generals' forces would be fleeing, you know, uh, they'd get across the river and then all of a sudden here comes a 14-foot wall making that river completely unpassable for a day. And these sort of things happened again and again and again. Cornwallis's retreat from, uh, was it Philadelphia where he finally surrendered? Um, no, 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 Yorktown, Yorktown. Um, over and over and over, God intervenes um, in the lives of covenant-keeping people. So uh, the British never had a chance, and finally they understood that because when you fight against God, you don't have a chance. And let's be real here, and this is, I guess I have to say this is my opinion. The cabal, the Bill Gates of this world, the, the, the murderous warmongers in central banking in the United Nations— these are these are uh, Lucifer's and Cain's henchmen, and they are fighting against God. And we can capitalize on these same uh, covenant relationships. Um, let's talk briefly about light. Um, I never look at Wikipedia only to get kind of a rough feel for uh, what mainstream teaches. And I know this is supposedly written by people, random people out there. I don't believe that in a second for uh, some of these topics like energy and light. But just listen to how ridiculous this sounds. Um, uh, energy imparted by, by light waves is absorbed at single locations the way particles are absorbed. The, the absorbed energy of the electromagnetic light waves is called a photon and represents a quanta of light. This is where quantum physics comes from. When a wave of light is transformed and absorbed as a photon, the energy the way of the wave instantly collapses into a singularity or single location. And this location is where the photon arrives. Don't worry about getting your head around that. That is utter dribble. That is a fairy tale. It is mind-numbingly stupid. None of this stuff has ever been absorbed. I ask you a question. What moves? Not just with light, with anything, with sound. Um, we're, we're taught that if you think about what a wave is, what is a sound wave? Well, as I'm talking to you and you're driving down the road or sitting at work or whatever you're doing, the sound reaches your ears um, in what we call a sound wave. The molecules in the air vibrate. They're not moving. As I speak, this molecule, if you're in the room with me, the molecule isn't traveling on some wave magically and bouncing off your eardrum. Energy is propagated through the ether. This is how light travels. This is how sound travels. When you look out, I think a good way to explain it is like this. When you're, everybody's been at the beach, I think, at one point or another or on a, on a lake, and you see a wave coming in, right? And you can watch it come in, come in, come in, and then it rolls over on the shore, and then eventually a little bit of water washes up against your feet. So did the water travel from that wave clear out there hundreds of yards out and come in to get your feet wet? Or what exactly happened there? What If you were to tie a flag to that water molecule, could you watch that flag roll in and hit your feet? No. 
What happens is the energy propagating more easily through water than through air is propagating through the water. And you would see, if you were to tie a flag to that water molecule, you'd see it go up and you'd see it go down. Uh, the up and down is the amplitude in a sound wave. The side to side, the linear, the right to left, that is time. So it's a, it's a helpful way to explain sound uh, by using wavelengths. Same thing with AC, uh, with electricity, which is another big fat stinky lie that we're taught that there's electrons somehow flowing. Nothing is moving. I think the same problem with all of these scientific models is that nothing is moving. Light, speed, how has that been? Have they actually ran alongside a photon or whatever magical? When you read this, or, trust me, yeah, this is Wikipedia. Go to any university in this world. Harvard, I don't care where you go, you're going to get the same gobbledygook. This is, these are peer-reviewed papers that people that are in the, uh, in the know write. They all quote each other. They make computer models, and they call that science. None of it's observed, none of it based on real experimentation. Pretty much, it's kind of crazy. And so why would they do that, right? Why do they spend so much time and money to basically make up science? Why? Well, I give it as my opinion. It's because it's important to the kingdom of corruption that rule this earth to keep you and me enslaved by keeping us as ignorant as possible. If you need some proof of that, just look at COVID-19. Um, you're children of God, yet we don't have any idea what light is. Well, I can get a much better idea of what light is, honestly, by picking up that dusty book and reading who is the light and the life of this and other worlds. Um, the most, uh, to me, the most vile, pernicious, despicable lie uh, that, that modern science teaches is that you are children of of big bangs and bacteria and apes. Science literally teaches us that your appendix, is it the appendix? I hope I have that the right organ. I'm not a medical guy. Is is not necessary and they routinely take it out because that's left over from when you were a monkey. How ridiculous is that? Don't ever let them take an organ out of your body just to be safe. Man, it just drives me crazy. So um we're not gonna have a lot of time to get into this whole light thing, but uh if you think about, um, I guess, what's the best? It's kind of hard to explain these things over over uh, a radio. But if you if you picture a pond dropping in or a rock dropping in a pond and you see these energy waves go out from there. And if you were to tie a flag magically to that molecule of water that's right next to the rock, it would not travel anywhere or a teeny, teeny bit. It would go up and it would go down. This is what light is. Light is how we see. And I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that light is the key to vision. Without light, you cannot see. Um, God created a world to do one thing, or maybe two things, two main things, to, for us to ascend, for us to grow and learn and to see um, and to become. And so light is a way to help you see. It's very analogous. And I don't think it's very Hard to figure out at all why the cabal completely makes up all of this rubbish about light and everything else, wavelengths and all this stuff um, when it comes to light. So um, take, for example, uh, 
the vitamin D. And I, I hear so many really reputable places, places that I would very much trust, tell you how important it is to take vitamin D. But they don't realize that when you're taking vitamin D, you're taking rat poison. Pick up any vitamin D bottle in the uh, in any pharmacy. I don't care how expensive. There are a few exceptions. Um, and the best way to tell is how big the dose is. If it says three IU or some really teeny minuscule amount, you probably have good vitamin D. These these doses of 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 IU of vitamin D, it is cholecalciferol. And uh, that is rat poison. If you give that pill to your dog, it'll kill him. But yet the FDA wants to tell you that that is equivalent to vitamin D, which is the uh, virus-killing nutrient that your body makes from the sun, right, from the light. So anyway, it's kind of – it's an interesting rabbit hole to go down to, but we're going to run out of time. Um, so we're going to leave that discussion for what light is uh, – uh, for another day, I'm trying to. Um, I want to talk. I, I have a lot of people. We're, we've got maybe a minute or a minute and a half left. I want to address briefly something I heard the other day at a cochleum I went to uh, on Isaiah. And it was kind of talking about the people that are waiting for normal to return. And I kind of shudder when I hear people that honestly I think should know better, people of faith who have been repeatedly warned and even commanded to watch for signs, yet some almost seem like. Child, like children whistling in the dark to console themselves, believing that someday normal's going to return. Um, what is normal anyway? If normal is uh, is the anyway, yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to run out of time. But to me, the dominoes have so obviously fallen. Um, do we forget who set these dominoes up? If we're watching for signs, and we've seen. You know, the signs coming in that Isaiah and, and, and Ezekiel and Daniel have so meticulously laid out. Do we forget who set these dominoes up? And yet when we see the dominoes fall, we pretend that the next ones are not going to somehow fall. I think this is wishful thinking perhaps on the part of some, but I fear for many it's deliberately ignoring the obvious. So anyway, point being, let's, uh, let's all reread those 10 bare minimum rules that God laid out for us. Take a knee, covenant to follow them. Uh, ask him what he wants you to do and go forward with light and faith and hope and it will be well. The miracles will come, I promise. <laughs>